Okay, Power Rangers, let's do it! Go, go, Power Rangers! <laughs> Welcome to the Super Sentai Brothers. This is episode 8 of the Jetman with the Golden Gun, the internet's best and only podcast dedicated to Chojin Sentai Jetman. Every week we watch an episode of the show and we share our thoughts with you, the listeners. My name is Matt J. With me as always is my co-host and brother Dave. Dave, how are you doing today? I'm doing really well, man. It's a beautiful day out. Data and Destiny, those Netrunner cards I was telling you about like a while ago, finally arrived, so that's exciting. Exciting, exciting. So uh, overall, real good. Right on. Well, today, Dave, (laughs) uh, we have the great pleasure of watching episode eight, The Laughing Diamond. Uh, That sounds cool. This is an awesome episode that I love, Um, but before we get to that, Dave, in our officially award-winning opening segment... uh, Shining in the heavens, there are five stars. What is our first star of the week? So, first star of the week, Matt, is that today, as we are recording this, it is the day after Halloween. And Halloween is super fun and exciting. And so, uh, I just wanted to talk about Halloween for a second. Right on. So, first of all, I had a great costume this year. What did you go as this year? I didn't actually see it. So, (laughs) I'll send you a picture. Uh, me, my wife Beth, our friends uh, Jen, and then Bill, our other buddy, was going to do it with us, but he bailed at the last second for reasons I didn't bother to ask him about. Bill, you can tell me later. We went as the founders of Hogwarts, right? Okay. But Hogwarts was founded in the year 990, according to the uh, lore of Harry Potter. I will take your word for that. Yeah, I had to look it up. So anyways, what we did is that we went as peri- like in-period Hogwarts founders, right? So okay. I was Godric Gryffindor, but I, like, I had like, uh, like a tunic, and like my uh, legs were like cross-guarded, and so it was like an Anglo-Saxon Godric Gryffindor. It was pretty rad. Uh, that is pretty rad. I, yeah. Uh, well, I, what I think would rumble. also be awesome is if you did a... Uh, Founders of Gryffindor costume where you're all dressed as though it had been founded in 1990 instead of 990? That would be equally amazing. Uh, so I must, you know, so at school, I saw a number of kids with fantastic costumes. One kid, okay, now to be fair, I first of all teach theater and also host our school's board game club, like I mentioned. So the results of my not results i guess but like my observation of cool costumes might be a little skewed from the average you know what i'm saying right you have a slightly different sample than everyone else <laughs> right so one kid showed up to theater class in a full master chief costume okay one kid showed up uh as in like fright makeup which was pretty neat uh, one girl was wearing a monster Baymax, not a monster Baymax, Baymax from the movie, but a okay, Baymax. Okay, so the, the white balloon dude, not the yeah. like person-sized Godzilla monster right. dude. So, but there's a onesie apparently. There's a Baymax onesie, and she had that on, and another girl had on a Captain America onesie. And then I don't have these kids in class, but they did show up after school for board game club. It was a group costume. 
of the crew from Firefly, which Matt, I know you've seen a couple episodes of, but it was, they were Captain Mal, Inara, Wash, and Jane. And like most of the costumes were pretty good, but the girl who dressed up as Captain Mal was amazing. Like it was spot on. So, yeah, Halloween is great, and Halloween costumes are the best, and there were a bunch of cool Halloween costumes. Halloween costumes are tons of fun. I had a, uh, I made myself a skull mask out of, like, this, Oh, yeah, how did that, I saw pictures of it. Yeah, it was this thing that I got off of Etsy, like, I bought a template, and then you, like, you know, you cut it all out, and you glue it to a piece of, like, uh, like, cardboard, and then... You cut those out and, like, you know, glue all the different tabs together. And when you're done, it was, it kind of looks like, the way I was describing it is it looks like the skull of Max Headroom. Like, it's got this sort of, like, flattened out, like, geometric folded out thing. Um, It was cool. you did it in, like, bright green. It's amazing. I did it in bright green. I got, like, these glow-in-the-dark skeleton gloves. It was very cool. No, that's awesome. So, Halloween, everybody. It was great. So what, Matt, is our second star of the week? Uh, second star of the week, Dave. It's time for Bus Update. Bus Updates. Bus Updates. Do it. What's up? What okay, we, so... What? What impossibly bizarre thing did you see on the bus? It wasn't even a bizarre thing. It was just something that I found so delightful that, like, I pulled it out and immediately put it in my potential five stars list that I keep on my phone. So we're waiting for the bus in the morning. And this is the same bus route that a lot of people who live around me take to get into uh, college. Yeah, right It's like the Cleveland State Line, basically. And so there's this one kid who clearly was waiting for the bus to go to school. And uh, he was sitting there uh, rocking that vape life, Dave. He was Ugh. he was vaping so hard. Ugh, but like, we get it. I right? know. Sorry, go ahead. I think somebody somebody on some podcast I was listening to had talked about it as though... I try to remember exactly what they said. They said that what the person really wants in their heart of hearts is to look like a cyborg bounty hunter from the future. With like the thing that glows blue and stuff, like it's anyway. That's fair, but that is that's not what it looks like. That's a very reasonable thing to want. You look like a dumbo. Anyway, <laughs> sorry to any listeners who are sorry, rocking that vape guys. Life. Like, listen, you can do it. You can do it. It's just not like an identity. You know what I'm saying? Anyway, so anyways, so this kid uh, was sitting there, sort of absent-mindedly vaping, trying to look cool, mm-hmm. and. Uh, I looked over, and he had sort of absent-mindedly, accidentally put it in backwards. It oh. was like sucking on the wrong end, trying to get some like <laughs> some of that sweet, sweet vape juice out. <laughs> and like he noticed that he did it, and tried like as nonchalantly as possible to like pull it out and reverse course, but it was too late, and I'd already seen it, and it was the best thing that happened to me all day. Wait, okay, did he see you see him, though? That's no, he really did not important. see me see him. So he oh. thought that he had pulled it off. Okay, well, you know, that's nice. That's nice for him that he felt that. Uh, anyway, that's it. That is it for Bus Update today. I just wanted to let you know that I saw the best thing in the world. That's good to know. That's nice. That's a delight. 
so what, Dave, is our third star of the week? <laughs> oh, oh, okay, dude. So uh, third star of the week is Pandemic Legacy. Okay. Okay, so Tell I've, me about mentioned, I've, I've mentioned I'm almost certain on the show before Risk Legacy, right? Yeah. Yeah, I talked about this before. So legacy style games, I don't remember if they're all developed by like one dude or one dude sort of came up with the idea of it and other people have been producing them. But legacy board games are built in such a way that you play the game, but that at the end of every game, the board is somehow different than it was when it started, okay? It's sort of like... It's like a video game board game, if that makes sense. Like, there's a start point and an end point, and then eventually, like, you're done. And then, like, that board is just over. So they came out, they, whoever publishes Pandemic, they have published a game called Pandemic Legacy. If you're not familiar at all with Pandemic, it's a cooperative board game where you and the other players play, like, operatives of the CDC who are attempting to deal with and cure the outbreak of various diseases before they become the titular pandemic and like destroy life on earth as we know it, right? Right. So I'm pandemic, with you thus far. Right. So Pandemic Legacy, it's like the very first game of Pandemic Legacy is just like a normal game of Pandemic. And as you go through you like diseases are mutating and cities are being like destroyed and overrun. Like I don't want to tell it say too too much about it because of course if you play it you want to be surprised by what's happening. But uh, our friends Bill and Jen got a copy of it for their anniversary and they very graciously invited me to come over and play it and it was fantastic. It was so good. I think we're actually talking about buying another copy of it just to play through it again. Oh really? Yeah, like it was that much fun. It's just like I'm trying to figure out what to say about it that isn't just going to give well, it I away. Mean, it's hard to do that because like the whole point of that game is that it has like sealed envelopes and stuff and you don't know what is in them until you choose to open them. Yeah. Um, the, I, it's it's those very games, like sometimes weird. in execution they are um difficult. Like yeah. I know we had a lot of trouble trying to play Risk Legacy. Um, without it kind of getting out of hand. But when those games are done right, like it's such a cool concept that it is worth like the occasional like trial and strain <laughs> and really yeah. sort of bad experience that we had playing Risk Legacy. You know, though, I have... I'm not going to talk about it right now, but I have had some revelations about Risk Legacy that I will tell you about later. But it's a very, it's really cool, man, because it does. The game comes with, like, sealed envelopes, and they're, like, opening stuff and breaking things open and just tearing cards apart, which is a very weird experience as somebody who plays a lot of, like, board games. Yeah, you need to protect you, those precious cards. Right. You got, like, card protectors to keep them safe so that they don't get, like, damaged and you can keep playing the game and it stays pristine. But in Legacy Games, they'll just say, destroy this card. It's garbage now. And it's a very, it's weird, but somehow like an illicit thrill that you're destroying part of this game. But it's a lot of fun. So if you like board games, Pandemic Legacy gets a, uh, a big, big stamp of approval from me and everybody who played it that I know. And also, just going to say, our first run through the game 
we did achieve legendary status. Oh, so how Pandemic Legacy works is that at the end of the game, you tally up a number of things. I'm not going to say what they are, but you tally up a number of things and you get points for them because it's a cooperative game and Uh you want to see how well you as a group did. And we made it into like the highest tier of points having. So that felt very good. Well, congratulations, Dave. Thank you. We saved the imaginary world. It was great, and we're basically superheroes forever. Okay. So, Dave, what then is our fourth star of the week? Our fourth star of the week, Matt, is that this week is my birthday. Happy birthday, Dave. Yeah, thanks, man. I don't actually have a ton to say about it. It's just my birthday, and I love it. I know uh, some people... What, you're going to be 33 this year? I am. Yeah, I'm turning 33 this year. Which is kind of weird, because when you're 30, I turned 30, and I was like, okay, well, like, you're 30, but that's basically still in your 20s, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, 30 is basically, like, the victory lap year for your 20s. Yeah, precisely. And I felt good about turning 30, and then I turned, like, 31 and 32, and that was sort of like, oh, you know, you're in, like, you're, you're in your 30s. You're in your early 30s still. But I feel like 33, you're just kind of there. You're like in your 30s. You know what I'm saying? Right. You are solidly, like, you have been there for a while. Right. It is, it is time to it's accept that it's the 30s. It's not a new development anymore. Uh, 33, I think, was the age that Alexander the Great was when he conquered most of his known world. Oh, that uh, makes me feel bad. You know. So, I guess, uh, you know. Well, hey. In, in you 2015. Know Alexan- you know what at- Alexander the Great didn't have? Um, I don't know. Glasses? The internet's best and only podcast dedicated to Trojan Sentai Jetman. <laughs> that is very true. So get at me, Alexander the Great. Not so you great can't, now. Because he's are super you? dead. Also super dead. <laughs> so I dead. guess we win after all, don't we? Yeah. Uh, yeah, so I'm 33 this week and I'm into it. I think like some people as they get older want to pay less and less attention to their birthdays. Mm-hmm. And that's very strange to me. Because when you're like a little kid, it's like you're turned 12. Who, you, didn't, you haven't even done anything. Like, there's nothing. I mean, I guess you survived for another year. But I'm 33. Like, I've done some stuff. I deserve to celebrate. Yeah, I you mean, it's 2015. I mean? You've been up in your game all year. Right, right. And also, every birthday you have is, uh, you know, you have fewer and fewer of them as your life goes on. So they become more precious, Matt. So... After having said all that, I don't. I'm, I'm not actually doing a ton of stuff for my birthday this year, but I am jazzed about it, and I like my birthday. So, thanks very much. And I don't have a way to end that segment, Matt. Okay. Yeah. So, <laughs> what is our? I That's think what we're over a year's one. worth of podcasting experience gets you, folks. Yeah. Just keep practicing. Someday you too can f- not know how to end a segment. So, Matt, what is our? Fifth star of the week. Okay, Dave. This fifth star of the week, there is a new wrinkle on an old story that you know, but it's old enough that our listeners probably have not heard it, unless they are personal friends of ours, in which case I've probably told it to them, because it's one of my favorite stories. So, this requires a little <laughs> bit of background, but I'll try <laughs> to get through story, that quickly. I but it's a good one, so I don't care. So, the summer after I graduated from college... Um, I went to Europe. I was on an archaeological dig in Macedonia. 
And then at the end of the summer, I was going to have a job teaching English at a high school in France, right? Right. So between those two times, I was just in Europe and I had to get from point A to point B. And, you know, it's just sort of backpacking around. Wonderful mm-hmm. experience. Uh, but one night, I got on a train to Calais and I was going to go from Calais to get the ferry across the English Channel to Dover to go to England, right? Okay. Yes. Right. So I get on the train and when the train lets off in Calais, it's not in town, but I look around and I think I've been in this sort of situation before. The train drops you off uh, and then there's a bus and you can like pay extra to get on the bus and they'll drive you like the mile into town. And I thought, you know what? I can walk a mile. It's a nice night. Right. Um, it'll take That's me... not even what? Maybe 10 minutes, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, I had, 50, a, I had a pretty heavy backpack that at that point was full of like 12 books. That seems like a bad idea, but go ahead. Well, it started off with one book, but I was backpacking for a month and you sort of accumulate things. <laughs> I can't just keep reading the same book over and over. Uh, and right. this was before Kindles, or at least before I would have access to one. Uh, so I'm walking down the side of the highway because I decided not to get on the bus and there's not like a sidewalk. Right. So I'm just walking down the highway, the direction that I saw the bus drive. Okay, and yeah. I said, like, okay, well, I will, you know, probably walk to the next exit and then get off, and that'll be fine. And I'll right. have saved a couple of euros, and, then, you know, I will have enjoyed this nice evening. So, uh, like, hmm, three hours later, I'm walking past where the channel comes out of, like, the coast, like the channel tunnel. Okay. Because apparently, I uh, it was a much longer walk than I thought, and I had just been walking down the side of the highway for hours, like, kind of going a little nuts. And so I'm walking down the side of the highway, I run into, like, this old woman who uh, had just gotten off a bus, and she was walking the rest of the way into town. Uh, we walked the rest of the way together, I barely spoke any French, she barely spoke any English, but right. she was very useful when the cops stopped by and asked why we were walking down the highway at night, and she was able to communicate with them. Oh yeah, that's anyway, super convenient. So, that is the sort of, that is a thing that happened to me a long time ago. Um, the other day, I was thinking about this story, as I sometimes do, and I decided, you know, I always just sort of tell this story in a general way. But I right. should look up the actual distance sometime. And so Just I get on Google see, Maps. So you can be like specific. Right. So I get on Google Maps and I look up the train station. I look up, you know, sort of like the, the center of Calais and figure out about how far it is from there. And according to Google Maps, it's like a two hour walk, which is crazy yeah, because when I did it, it was like a five, six hour walk. Mm-hmm. Um,. And so I was trying to figure out, like, wait a second, like, this... You cannot the... possibly have walked that slowly. Yeah, like, I'm not, I wasn't jogging, and I had a heavy backpack, but, like, I was moving. Mm-hmm. And also, like, this path did not lead past where the tunnel led out. Okay. And so then I, like, I scaled the map back, and I discovered that when I went to walk from the train station into town, not only did I completely waste my time and as it turns out the that bus ticket was included in my train ticket so i didn't even save any money (laughs) i Um, did know that but it's still great (laughs) it hurts every time i think about that part but um not only did i do everything wrong in that regard i also walked the wrong way (laughs) like i just 
like I guess the highway forked off and I went left and the bus went right. And so I just walked like it would have been, I don't know exactly how far, but it ended up being like a 10 mile walk about. Oh my gosh. And it could have been like a fraction of that. Oh man! Uh, and so, yeah, that is uh, that is something that I discovered this week, and it's just I can't, I just can't even believe it. <laughs> Dave, this walk, this walk was, I'm sorry, this walk was so long that I like 100 percent was going to sleep under an overpass. You, like uh, you were that to close to giving up. Morning. Um, but I, like, the only reason I did it is because I was worried that there was, like, an animal under there. Otherwise, I would have 100%, like, slept outside under a bridge. Dude. Like, that is how long I was walking. Hike, man. That, dude. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> okay. You know so what? So that now, is our fifth star of the week. However, however, just think about it this way. You have gotten so much mileage out of that story. Literally and figuratively. Literally and figuratively, mileage out of that story. And now you can tell it again to all the people who have already heard it because there's this whole new insane wrinkle. Okay. So, so so ultimately, uh, time well spent. I think you've probably yeah. spent more time telling the story than it took you to actually do it. Uh, no, I have 100% not done that. And I have told this story a lot. Are you sure? You've told this story. You've told this story a lot. I don't think that I have spent a total amount of time, like a total of six hours, telling this story, and that's not even <laughs> counting like the coda of the story, which is by the time I finally got to town, like the last ferry had long since left, so I ended up having to sleep sitting up in the ferry ticket office. Okay, so well, I'm adding that to the time. Well, maybe not then, um, but okay. still, still a good story. So, so that's it for our five stars, Matt. I want to know what's up with this diamond thing. Yes, uh, we're gonna watch episode eight. It's called "The Laughing Diamond," and we will be right back. Okay, welcome back. So we have just finished watching episode eight. Uh, Dave, why don't you give us a brief rundown of this episode? Okay. Uh, the episode centers around the Jetman Universe version, I think, of like the Hope Diamond, which is cursed and becomes a diamond monster and drives people crazy and Akko goes crazy and Kaori saves her in the strangest way possible and then they defeat the diamond monster. Uh, yes, I think that just about covers it. Yep, I feel pretty good about that. Oh man, I listeners, I look forward to you finding out how she saves Akko because it is beautiful. It's yeah, oh my gosh. Okay, so let's just get started. Okay, so the episode starts with Kauri and Akko driving to a fancy party. Right. We don't know precisely what like the deal is with this fancy party, but Akko is dressed up. She's not like thrilled about being dressed up because she's in high school. I'm very confused, by the way, as to like how much of their old lives do the jet men keep? You know what I'm saying? Uh, yeah, I do know what you're saying. So, like, Raita doesn't appear to be doing much farming these days. Yeah, but Kaori is always going to like a fancy party, and I think it seems like she just still lives in her giant mansion house. 
Yeah, and I don't so, think we've seen it yet, but Akko is still in high school. Oh, okay. Yeah, so I have no idea how much time being a Jetman takes up, but it seems like not nearly as much as you would think. Well, so you know, anyways, I, I feel like they're on they're always on call, but uh, you know, there's not the Virum aren't attacking all the time, but they're okay. always scheming. <laughs> so, they're on their way to this party. And Akko wanted to go, but now she, like, doesn't want to go. And Kaori's like, listen, you you asked to be invited to this thing. This is how it's going to be. Like, don't be a baby. And the reason and- she asked to be invited is because there's going to be uh, what is called the Bloody Diamond, which right. is this big red gem. And Akko desperately wants to see it. And as soon as Kaori reminds her that, like, they're going to see a diamond. She just goes into, like, this little song about diamonds. <laughs> it's, like, this weird little trance, and she just chants, diamonds, 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 over and over again. So we cut from there over to Space Camp, and it looks at first like the blood diamond is just there in Space Camp. It turns out that they're looking at pictures. No, Dave, and- real quick. It's not yeah. a blood diamond. It's the bloody diamond. Oh, yeah, that's right. Sorry. I keep saying blood diamond. <laughs> this I, is not like a conflict diamond. Yeah, I just thought it was very weird that they called it the bloody diamond. Because the diamond, we'll, we'll see it in a second. It's like bright red. But that, <laughs> that was just like an uncomfortable moment. So anyway, so the bloody diamond, it, it looks at first like they're just looking at it at Sky Camp. They're not. It's just a picture. But they say that this thing, they keep saying it's worth 200 million. And at first I thought they were saying 200 million yen. But I think that it's supposed to be, I think that's like a thing of translation. I think it's supposed to be worth like 200 million dollars because the Hope Diamond is worth 200 million dollars. I just looked it up. Okay. The Hope Diamond is worth 200 million dollars. So my assumption is that and if anybody speaks Japanese and I'm wrong, like please let us know. But my assumption going forward is that when they say 200 million, they're talking United States dollars. I wonder why they didn't just use the Hope Diamond. I don't know. I think like, is because the Hope, the Hope Diamond, Diamond is copyrighted. Like, no, but it has like a distinct history and is in the Smithsonian right now. So maybe they just didn't want to use it. But from like a couple of things that they talk about it. It's just very obviously supposed to be the Hope Diamond. Like, later on, they talk about, oh, it was owned by Louis XIV and during the French Revolution, and it caused his death, which is absolutely a thing that is... Well, I mean, it is true that Louis XIV owned the Hope Diamond, and it is true that people think that the Hope Diamond is cursed and that it somehow was, like, in some way responsible for Louis XIV's death in the French Revolution. Dave, Dave, Louis XIV did not die in the French Revolution. Louis XIV, like, died in his bed of gangrene. Oh. Like, Louis they, XVI died in the revolution. They definitely right? say that this was owned by Louis XIV and it caused him to die in the revolution. Uh, but that did not happen to Louis XIV. <laughs> okay. Well, it turns out the Japanese are as good at French history as I am. Unless I missed something. <laughs> oh. Unless they changed Louis halfway through that sentence. But that was No, uh, I don't know. Because it was... I looked it up. The, the Hope Diamond was owned by Louis XIV. But what... Okay. But anyways, I we, think We're getting on a big tangent here. <laughs> right. Raining it back in. 
So what they say, it's the three guys are at space camp, and they say that a museum, like, asked for this diamond, but the dude who owned it refused, even, and he, like, wants to sell it, even though he's, like, crazy rich already. And they're like, who even needs that much money? And it turns out there is at least one person who needs that much money, and we will find out who that is later in the episode. So we cut from that scene over to a brief setup with the Virum, where they right. are also, uh, coincidentally, looking at the bloody diamond. Right. And Maria is, like, real into it. Like, she wants the diamond. And then Radigat walks up and is like, yeah, humans, with the obsession with shiny baubles. <laughs> and I think at this moment, like, after he says that, Maria kind of, like, backs up her, like starts backpedaling like yeah no this is bad we should kill the humans <laughs> right like she was very obviously just interested in the diamond for its own sake but now she's kind of got a safe face i guess in front of the other virum so she says we will use it to like cause the humans to hate each other and destroy themselves so that is the plan so, so- she you know she reaches through uh, she drops a dimensional bug on the bloody diamond, and then we cut back to the party. Right. So it's they're at the fancy party, and the dude who owns the diamond, whose name I don't remember, is is kind of like semi-flirting with Kauri, and he asks about her engagement, which you remember from a couple episodes ago, she broke, and he says, oh yeah, I'm real glad to hear that your engagement's broken. Like, it gives me hope, or something like that. And, and then Akko jumps in. <laughs> just starts asking about the diamond. She's like, so, this diamond, where is it? Can I see it? Can I see it right now? Because seriously, I need to get my peepers on that diamond. <laughs> I need to see this diamond, you guys. <laughs> and Akko was like, dude, she stomps on her foot in, I think, an attempt to just be like, Akko, be cool. Like, this is a fancy party. You have to have a little decorum. And Akko has zero chill and is just like, why are you stomping on my foot? I want to see this diamond. And the dude, <laughs> the dude is like now flirting with Akko, which is weird because she is in high school and he is a grown man. Uh, but he says, oh, sure. Like, I will show you the bloody diamond. Let's go. Yeah. So we cut over to the room in which the bloody diamond is like being stored. And it's in, we saw it before and it's in a case. And then the case is covered by a cloth. And so there are these two guards and they're going to lift the diamond and one of them, like, stumbles a little bit. And the other <laughs> guard says, hey, be careful. This thing is worth $200 million. And it's like, yeah, dude, but it's a diamond. It is, but like, the hardest thing. It will be fine. <laughs> right. Everything else will break around the diamond. But this thing is totally okay. It's, like, literally one of the most durable substances in the world. But the cover on the diamond slips a little bit. And one of the guards sees it. And it like flashes, glows red, and then his eyes glow red. And then we cut out to the party where this dude is just going berserk. Yeah, he has like busted out of the room. The other guard is like following him out and he's like bleeding from the head saying, I don't know what happened. He saw the diamond and he went crazy. Uh, And this guard is just like rampaging through this fancy party. Right. And then there's this one very weird little moment. Oh, with the old couple? put it in. Yes. Yeah. So there's this old couple, and the old lady turns to the guy, 
And she says, somebody like kind of shouts out like, oh, the diamond is making people go mad. And the old lady turns to her husband and she says, I'd like to see the diamond and go mad. <laughs> it's like, lady, it's not, it's not Viagra. Yeah. Uh, but it's like a very weird sort of moment of like it's, old it's, people's it's, sexual tension. And it's a kind a of extended show. scene. Like it lasts, like it's not huge, but it la- has a bit of a back and forth. Right. And like, like these are not what characters that get names. Uh, we see them again briefly, like in a minute, but it's just this totally bizarre aside about how like they really want to go see this diamond and go nutso. <laughs> like get freaky, I guess. Um, so everybody's just kind of watching this guard get nuts. Anko turns to Kaori and she says, may I be excused for a moment? And Kaori says, of course you can be excused. And so Anko like takes off her heels and then just dismantles this guard with like Jetman karate. It's pretty amazing. Yeah. So the guy apologizes. Like the guard is kind of taken away. The dude who owns the diamond apologizes. He says, everybody, let me come show you this diamond. Which maybe was not the most prudent thing. Right. If you just heard from like the only witness of the scene that a dude went insane after seeing the diamond, uh, especially if you know that that diamond is reputed to have a curse, uh, maybe don't then like drag everyone over and say, behold, my cursed diamond. (laughs) Um, but that is exactly what he does and exactly what you think is going to happen happens. Like everybody goes crazy. Uh, the old couple see it, they go crazy, uh, and they just start, you know, fighting. Yeah. It doesn't work out as well as that old lady had hoped. Now, Akko and Kaori were not there to see the diamond because they are like tying the guard up or something. So everybody else has seen this diamond. They're all flipping out. Except Akko for, and weirdly, and this is never really explained, yeah. the guy who owns the diamond doesn't go crazy. Yeah, see, somehow is totally fine. And what we find out, that the craziness specifically that everyone is being infected with is not just, like, violence, it's, like, greed. They are all shouting about how they want diamonds and they want all of this stuff. There's a bunch of and young women who are, like... Tearing each other apart, arguing about who is going to get to marry the rich dude. Uh, yeah, there is a brief aside where it's all these ladies arguing, and I get from their conversation that he maybe had sort of semi promised to marry all of them independently. Well, I know earlier <laughs> in the episode we saw him pretty much say, like, hey, Kauri, I'm glad that you're not married because I want to marry you. Yeah, so, so maybe that's just how that around. dude rolls. And his lady friends are not happy. Maria appears, her like hollow form appears and just starts kind of laughing and saying like, yes, humans destroy each other with hatred. Uh, And Kauri and Akko then realize kind of what precisely is happening. Right. This isn't a standard cursed diamond. This is a dimensionally beastified cursed diamond. Right, so they, like, grab it, and they're running outside with it, and I think they just, like, trip, or they throw it, or something. They throw it. But the diamond goes flying. Oh, by the way, at some point when he unveiled the diamond, it grew from, like, standard big diamond size to, like, I don't know, the size of a soccer ball. Yeah, so this thing is huge. But so the the bloody diamond goes flying, and mid-hurl, I guess... 
it transforms into this sort of humanoid diamond dimension monster. And then a nice bit of visual continuity. When they throw the diamond, it has the cover on it. And when oh, the yeah, monster lands, cool. like he still has the cover on him and he has to like throw it off. Yeah, I was sort of hoping that the cover would become like a cape or something, but <laughs> that he does would be throw cool. it off, so that was neat. So they are, Kauri and Aqua are like, oh, we have to take this, you know, we have to fight the monster. And Kauri hops on her cross changer, which, let me just be clear, Kauri is wearing like a, a nice dress and like lace gloves. There is nothing covering her wrists, and she does not have a cross changer. And then she has it. Like, it just appears literally out of nowhere. It could not possibly have been hiding. It just wasn't there, and now it's there. I don't know why this continues to bother me, because it happened all the time in Tie Ranger. Well, you know, it I happens think in all Die the time Ranger, in Jetman. In Die Ranger, I was able to excuse it, because everything in Die Ranger is, like, was weird, like, you know... Kiryoku magic. Like mystical. Right. So I was able to accept it. But like the cross changers, they just make those. Like they break sometimes and they just have to make a new one. They're not a magic thing. Right. I and just, then they just like, appear out think, of nowhere. You would think I would be kind of just, I just let it wash over me, right? Like just give in to the fact that this is going to happen. But it bugs me every time. So, so anyways, so Kauri yells into her teleported, I guess, on cross changer that the Virum are attacking and that she and Kauri, or she and Aka were going to start fighting, but everybody needs to come help. So they start fighting. And, you know, it's, they're fight, having fight, a little fight. bit of a back and forth. And at one point in the fight, Akko goes to like jump kick the diamond monster, the dimensional or diamond dimension. Right. Uh, Everything is always just called whatever dimension. So if I ever just call it like a house monster or a evil diamond thing, uh, yeah. know that I am just flubbing that for no reason at all. It is always called the whatever dimension. Whatever. Yeah. At least so she in goes, this stage of the show. Right. So she goes for like a flying kick. Diamond dimension kind of sees her coming and then blasts her with so this sort of multicolored beam of light thing. And she goes down. Okay, so the rest of the Jetmen show up, and they're about to start fighting uh, the Diamond Dimension, but right. all of a sudden, Akko gets up, and Akko has been, like, berserked, like all the people right. at the oh. party were. We should say that when you get berserked, the way that that is demonstrated on your face is that you get kind of, like, just, like, really dark under-eye shadow is the best way to say it. Yeah, it's it's a is... little sharper than that. It's got sort of like a glam vibe to it, like a like yeah. sort of like something that David Bowie would wear, like mm. back in yeah, yeah, yeah. that stage good, of his career. Call. But dark, dark, not yes. nearly as bright as you might see on Ziggy Stardust, but the same sort of look. <laughs> okay, so well, I mean, there's not a lightning um, bolt. Yeah, sans lightning bolt, obviously. Anyways. So Diamond Dimension, I guess, just, just boogies. We don't actually see that happen because the scene ends there and what we see is Akko tied up in a chair in like a holding cell, I guess. And there's something very disconcerting about the fact that she's tied up to this chair in a holding cell, Matt. And I, did you catch it? No, why? Okay, so... 
like we said before, Akko and Kauri like got super dressed up to go to this fancy party, right? Right. Did you notice what Akko was wearing in the holding cell? Oh, yeah. No, she's just back in her regular clothes. Yeah, she's just back in her regular clothes. So somehow in her berserk state, they managed to like disrobe her and then get her back into her regular clothes and then tie her up in a chair, which is weird to me. Seems like a lot of unnecessary steps. If right. nothing like, else. I don't want to think too hard about how that happened, but it did, and it's weird. So anyways, the, she's in this room, and she's, like, restrained. The chief is dismayed. Uh, Akko starts throwing some serious shade at the chief. Oh, yeah. She is unkind. <laughs> um, and then we cut away, and that's kind of the end of that little blurb. But we do know that this is a persistent effect, I think, is the idea. So Akko is not just getting better on her own. She has stayed berserked. We cut over to the rest of the Jetmen, and they are talking to the dude who owns the diamond, whose name it would have been really convenient if I wrote down, except I think they literally only mention it once. Anyway, so Rich Diamond dude. Right, so Rich Diamond guy is like, oh yeah, did I not mention that diamond is totally cursed? Apparently, it's the cause of the death of Louis the Fourteenth or Sixteenth, it, depending on if red. you're going by the show or what actually happened in history. Right. He says some people say that it drinks the blood of its owners, and like that's why it's red. And then he immediately, after giving like this whole long spiel, which weirdly is accompanied by cutaway, like cuts to just like paintings. But not paintings from, like, classical history. Well, just one of clearly them is. paintings that someone in the art department did. Yeah, the, what's weird about it is the first painting it shows is just, like, an actual painting of Louis XIV. And oh, then there's yeah, a that drawing of something in the Revolution that was, like, an actual thing. And then it just got to this series of, like, I don't know, not... Kind listen, they're better than I would do, probably. Right. But they're not, like, they're not super great images. Yeah, but he says that the diamond curses and, like, causes the death of anyone who owns it. Maybe that's why he was trying to sell it. But then he immediately turns around and says, but nobody actually believes that. That's nonsense. This is, I just want to remind you, the same guy who is currently wearing, like, bandages on his face because that diamond made everyone go insane. (laughs) <laughs> this is the guy who is denying the possibility that that diamond might be cursed. Yeah. So, um, so Maria again appears in her sort of holographic form and says that the diamond dimension can't be stopped and that humans will cause their own extinction because of their hatred and greed. And then she throws in this extra little bit where she says, yeah, humans would kill each other. Anyway, like, even if I didn't make them do this with, like, the diamond dimension, like, humans are, like, evil and, like, full of hate, and they're just going to murder each other anyway. Like, Like, I guess she's just just, planning to, like, speed it up. I'm not really doing anything. Right. I'm just nudging you. You're all already terrible. Humans are the real monsters. Right. So, so, um, we cut away to the city, and we see the Diamond Dimension just standing up on top of a building, blasting people with his hate beam, I guess. Sure, he's got a hate ray. 
He's like the yeah. hate monger, except that he's I not like... I was just like, going to say it, like the hate monger. Yeah, except that Diamond Dimension is not like a clone of Hitler in a purple KKK robe. Okay, I just wanted to remind... Yeah, I was trying to remember that that was hate monger who did that. Who is yeah. it? Dude, is hate it monger Psycho is Master? Uh, uh, Psycho Master has like a... A Psycho Man, I think. Psycho Man, maybe? Anyways. So he's blasting people with his hate beam, and it's working out super well for him. We see a guy and a girl that I guess were previously boyfriend and girlfriend, and then they fight. And then there's some, like an ice cream parlor. I don't know why that was the decision, but there's a girl in an ice cream parlor, and she says, you want to eat ice cream for 100 yen? I won't let you eat it for 7 million yen, which seems like a bad financial decision on her part, but whatever. Well, I don't think she runs the place. Uh, and then there's a cop who's just like running around like he's not shooting his gun, but he's just waving it around wildly running down it. the street. Yelling, I am a man of the law. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay. So uh, Ryu, Guy, and Raita arrive on the scene and they attack like up on the roof and they attack Diamond Dimension. They all pull their swords out. They hit him with a sword. And one, I can't remember who, says, wow, this guy is pretty tough. It's like, guys, he's literally a diamond. And then, You're attacking a giant diamond with your swords. Yeah, and then they try to uh, shoot them with their laser guns. Uh, and the show, again, remembers that like some things react to lasers differently than other things. And they decide that in this case, the lasers are like reflected or like refracted through it because they're all standing around Diamond Dimension in a circle. And they all shoot mm-hmm. them with the lasers, and then they all get zapped. Yeah, I actually, I'm pretty pleased with that. I like the idea that they do, in fact, have a laser blaster, but that the showrunners recognize that, like, maybe a laser blaster doesn't work on everything. Yeah, like when they fought the mirror monster. Yeah. So we cut to space camp, and again, they they use this cut pretty frequently, it's looking like, where they just kind of zoom out, and we see that the chief is just watching Chojin Sentai Jetman on her monitors. So they're sitting around, and Kauri is there... And Chief is talking just like, I can't believe this is happening. These people, they're not behaving how people should. Like, this is just complete madness. And when she says the word madness, Kauri perks up and she's like, I've got an idea. Like, I need to go do a thing. But she doesn't say what that thing is. And we now embark on maybe the strangest sequence of Jetman to date. Okay, so as we're watching through this next bit, it's going to cut back and forth between... Like, the three Jetmen who are fighting Diamond Dimension all over town. And right. uh, what is happening with Kauri and Kauri's butler. Right. And so, just assume that it's cutting back and forth. We're not going to bother to describe the fight that's happening, because it's basically just a fight. It's a fight, yeah. And yeah. it's not nearly as interesting as what the butler is doing. <laughs> so anything Kau- that Kauri's doing. So, Kauri doing. goes home... And she walks into one of the rooms where there's this giant safe. And yeah. the butler is, like, begging her to not open it. And Kyrie says, like, and no, she we says, need to do this. Yeah. And so the next thing we see is the butler walks into a jeweler's shop with an enormous pile of cash money. And just says, like, and give then, me everything. Yeah. And then he go, and we see him do this same thing. I, it cuts like five or six times. And we just see him putting down just piles of money and then walking out with like rolling suitcases 
full of merchandise. So, so as far as I can tell, what Kauri has told her butler to do is just buy out every jeweler in Tokyo. Yeah, like go to every place in this city that will sell a diamond and buy that diamond and bring it back here. Yeah. <laughs> which which apparently he does. And apparently she has enough money to do, which is beautiful. Yeah. This is why I wanted to say it was significant. I'm pretty sure they're talking about 200 million dollars, not 200 million yen. So, so <laughs> we cut back, we cut back to Kauri's place. Kauri drags Akko into this room. Akko, by the way, is no longer tied up. And she's no longer violent. She's just sort of, like, sulky. Yeah. They exchange some very harsh words for a children's show. And then Kauri goes like, oh, you flipped out after seeing a $200 million gem? Like, that's all it took to freak you out? Like, 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 just that was enough to make you go completely nuts? Well, take a look at this. And so she just, she pulls out a case and just starts tipping it out onto Akko's lap. And it's just full of diamonds. <laughs> and Akko, like, doesn't know how to handle it. But yeah. Kauri is getting super intense. Like, she's yelling at her. She's like, you think that's a big deal? You think this is an important thing? Well, let me just show you. And then she goes into the, here to, like, the aforementioned safe. And pulls out literally a suitcase full of jewelry and just dumps it on Akko's lap. But and that's Akko not enough. Is sort of like taken aback, like she doesn't know what to do. And Kari just says, and I quote, Kari says, you can have it all. Just open your eyes already. And Akko is, like, struggling. You can see it in her face. She doesn't know what to do. Kauri just leans back and just slaps her full across the face. Like, Akko's head snaps back. And then when she turns around again, she's fine. Yeah, just, like, the shock of seeing this many diamonds and getting slapped in the face and shouted at has cured her of being cursed by a dimensional monster. I have no idea what just happened. It is amazing. It's amazing that that was Kauri's plan, and it's doubly amazing that Kauri's plan worked. Right! Like, Kauri clearly... Like, she's supposed to have some sort of revelation, like... Oh, now I understand how this diamond curse works, and this is the way to to like cure it. I have no idea why this functions as a cure, but it does, and Akko is is fine now. And she looks down at the pile of gems and is like, "Wait, did I steal all these?" So she clearly doesn't remember what's been happening. Right. Also, I don't know why that is Akko's go-to. Maybe Akko just spends a lot of time almost stealing $200 million worth of diamonds. Right. That is, I think, what we have to be led to believe. So we cut away to the... They're not on the roof anymore. I don't remember where they are. But the guys are still fighting Diamond Dimension. Now the girls show up. And uh, so 
they're like, Akko, you're back. And Akko's like, yep, I'm back. Everything's cool now. And so they they start fighting the diamond. Akko, like, punches him. And then Raito runs up and says, now it's my turn. And he tries to throw him, which does make sense because diamond is a rock. Sure. And uh, that and is Raito's thing. That is his go-to. Uh, Kaori right. then just sort of, like, hits him with her sword, but hits her, like, Hits it, like, directly on where the dimensional bug is stuck to him. Which, I, which like, cuts it off? I guess. I it, was, it was a weird moment because it just, like, they had been trying to fight this thing forever. And she just walked over and it hit him on, like, the one very obvious weak spot. And he immediately dies, falls over, then becomes a giant monster. Yeah, I'm not really sure. Yeah, I don't really know why. So... He's a giant time monster. I think why is because they needed to get to the giant robot part, and like they were getting near the end of the episode. Honestly, yeah, that okay, yeah, that makes a ton of sense. So they call the jet machines. I at this point I do end up disappointed, but I am hoping that uh, that they summon like a giant like jeweler's loop and chisel, but they don't. No, they get in the jet machines, and instead of turning into Jet Icarus, they turn into Jet Hawken, which is like the big plane version. Like, they all get together to join one giant plane. Uh, yes! that thing has a special attack where it, like, sets itself on him, you know, becomes a big fiery phoenix, and then rams into it. And yeah. Ryu says he's vulnerable to heat, which is which, the first, first of time all, that we have discussed this at all. Right, first of all, how does Ryu possibly know that? And B, why is that possibly true? Yeah. Why would a giant diamond, which is literally carbon, formed under enormous heat pressure and heat, be vulnerable to fire? It's the most nonsense. Like, in an episode that is completely nonsensical, that one moment makes the least amount of sense. But... For whatever reason. But it is reason, apparently true. It is 100% true that this thing is vulnerable to fire. So they just like Icarus Hawk and it catches on fire and they do their attack and Diamond Dimension explodes. Uh, we cut to Diamond, the Viram Dimension. Maria is really bummed out. She's like, how could they have possibly won? Radigat kind of rubs her face in it. He's like, ha ha, you lost. Clearly, like, you know, try again next week, I guess. And then there's like a weird sort of moment where Gray looks at her and then just turns around and teleports away. And then Tran looks at her, turns around and teleports away. And then we just see Maria standing by herself in the Viram dimension. I'm not sure what the point of that scene was. But it was weird. So we so that's pretty much the end of the episode. We get a brief bit at the end where um, all of them except for Akko, all the Jetmen except for Akko are walking along saying like, oh, like, Kaori, you really saved the day. And then Kaori says, no, it was Akko's greed that saved the day, if you think about it. <laughs> right. So it, it turns out that the, the thing that Kaori figured out is that the diamond was inspiring, like, greed in Akko. And so what Kaori had to do was, like, max out her greed until it, like, looped back and reversed on itself, and that somehow broke the curse. 
you know, just regular Jetman stuff. Yeah, standard stuff. So it sort of works, but then Akko does run up and say, So, Kauri, where are those diamonds you promised me? Because you did say that I could have them all. Right. And then Kauri says, Well, the Fire River's still attacking, so I'm going to like hold on to those for now. And then Akko turns and she says, All the diamonds in Tokyo, mine. So it turns out that, yes, in fact, Kauri did, just like out of hand, buy every diamond in Tokyo. And is still, I guess, nominally committed to giving them all to Akko after they finally beat the Vyrum. Because she doesn't say no. She says, I'll give them to you later. Right. Well, dude, when Akko was, when they were trying to get Akko to join the Jetmen and she wanted like some amount of money, Kauri, without, remember, we talked about this. Kauri did not even hesitate. She's like, here, just have like 100,000 yen. Like, I don't even care. So. So, Kauri clearly has draft money. Oh, yeah. And so that's it. So, that is the end of this episode. So this beautiful, <laughs> bizarre episode. Oh, man. Uh, we haven't said it in a while, guys. But even if you don't normally watch the show, this one is worth watching. It is like, absolutely it's on, worth it's watching. It's on the internet. Just, you can check it out. Honestly, just, just for the it. scene where she's dumping the diamonds all over Akko. Yeah, it's incredible. Uh, okay, Dave, so what was your high point of the episode? Dude, I think my high... It's gotta be that diamond... Like, that suitcase full of diamond scene where Kauri is just getting nuts on Akko. Yeah, that... I mean, honestly, it that's was, gonna be my high point, too. That sort it of... It has plus, to be! Plus the scene where the butler is going all over town just, like, laying out mountains of cash money. It's just absolute madness! <laughs> Sorry, I'm just like reliving it in my mind, and it's incredible. Just like the yelling, the swearing, which Jetman seems like weirdly okay with dropping curse words for a children's show. And again, Maybe it's like that, a quirk of the translation. Might be the but... translation. I don't speak Japanese, uh, so if you, the listener, know not. something about that, uh, let me know because I'm genuinely curious about it. Yeah. So, uh, how about a low point, Matt? Ooh. Oh, by the way, supplemental uh, runner-up high point goes to that one weird scene with the old couple. Oh, yeah. Just because it was so, like, weird and out of place. Uh, Anyway, my low point, I don't know, probably the fact that uh, it should not have been vulnerable to fire, but they just kind of needed a way to beat this thing, so they just tacked it in there. Because that (laughs) made no sense. Okay, Okay, so I was going to use that as my low point, uh, I will use instead as my low point the fact that the dude who owns the diamond steadfastly refuses to believe that it's cursed, despite the fact that he has seen firsthand the ex- the exact extent of that curse, and in fact almost got killed. Yeah, like he's... so. I'm going to go with that as my low point. Oh, you you think my diamond is cursed? Why? Just because it like made a whole room of people try to kill each other and then turned into a literal monster? Nah. Nonsense. Nah. I'm sure it's fine. So that's my low point. Yeah, um, yeah I don't. Okay. And I guess that's going to do it, right? Uh, yeah. That is going to do it for another episode of The Jetman with the Golden Gun. Before we finish Thanks up here, joining us. I would like to remind you all that you can email the show at supersentibrothers at gmail.com. If you want to get any updates on future episodes or get in touch with us on Twitter, we are at Super Sentai Bros. 
If you like the show, and I hope that you do, please remember, shining in the iTunes review section, there are five stars. Rate, review, subscribe. That's what's going to help other people find the show. Uh, I always forget to mention it, but we are also on Stitcher. And we have our lips in sight. Those are the best ways to get a hold of us. Uh, the Super Sentai Brothers are a production of Retrograde Orbit Radio. Once again, we're the Super Sentai Brothers. I'm Matt. I'm Dave. And we will see you next week. <laughs>